sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome to hour number two of the morning after live right here on this Tuesday on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159. That is the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM all across the Spiz Grizz network. That is Sports Grid and I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us here live on this Tuesday morning all across the grid. Plenty to get to here in hour number two. We bring you until 11 a.m. Eastern time. We'll continue our early look at Super Bowl Sunday. 12 days away from a spot in Phoenix, Arizona between the Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles with a Lombardi Trophy on the line. We'll hit on college basketball, a big Monday night, a Super Tuesday on the horizon. Plenty to get to here on the final day of January. Tomorrow is February, and then (laughs) it's March in college basketball. We'll hit on the ice in the National Hockey League as well. And we start here around the National Football League because two teams still in the hunt for Super Bowl 57 and that Lombardi Trophy, but 30 other NFL organizations firmly into the offseason. Now, during Conference Championship Sunday, We got the breaking news that the Dallas Cowboys and their offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore, were parting ways. A surprising move, especially when the follow-up tweet was Mike McCarthy is going to be the signal caller offensively because Kellen Moore had led the Cowboys to -to back-to-back seasons of being a top-five scoring offense in the National Football League. I don't think it was Kellen Moore, maybe, that designed that final play for the Cowboys in the divisional round against the San Francisco 49ers, but albeit... He was left without a job for about 12 hours. And then he goes to Los Angeles as the new offensive coordinator for the L.A. Chargers. We all anticipated this job would be highly touted as you get to work with Justin Herbert and all the tools offensively for the Bolts for Herbert entering year number four. So Kellen Moore makes his way to the City of Angels as the new offensive coordinator for the L.A. Chargers after they parted ways with Joe Lombardi just about a week Ago. So here's what Kellen Moore will get to design plays for. Justin Herbert. I think it's pretty hard to argue that Justin Herbert is not a top 10 quarterback in the National Football League, if not maybe a little bit higher than that. Herbert so far in his NFL career, about to enter year number four, but three previous seasons, of course, has thrown for at least 4,300 passing yards in all three years, including his rookie campaign when he played in just 15 games last year 4,739 passing yards and a 68.2 percent completion percentage the highest of his three-year NFL career so far so a big number for Justin Herbert an exciting opportunity for Kellen Moore and Brandon Staley still probably going to be booked with a top five price to be the NFL coach of the year because that's how things work optimistically for the LA Chargers each in every offseason. Now, the Cincinnati Bengals had their season come to a close just two days ago. Both of their coordinators looking like they could be candidates for the Arizona Cardinals head coaching vacancy. Again, only one head coaching job has been filled of the five this offseason. That was Carolina last week, tabbing Frank Reich, their new head man, entering the weekend both Lou Anarumo the talented defensive coordinator for Cincy and offensive coordinator Brian Callahan are set to interview with Arizona on Thursday for the Cardinals 
empty job at that head coaching spot. There was some conversation that the Cardinals had their sights set on Dan Quinn. He is staying as the defensive coordinator in Dallas. We welcome in our Sports Grid Radio audience here, the second hour of the morning after, live on this Tuesday. I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us on Sirius XM Channel 159. All of our radio terrestrial affiliates now in the mix as well. Looking around the coaching carousel, if you will, in the National Football League, now into the offseason for 30 of the 32 NFL organizations. The Bengals, the latest team to join the offseason in the National Football League in both of their coordinators offensively, Brian Callahan, defensively, Lou Anarumo, reportedly in contention for the Arizona Cardinals' head coaching vacancy. There were many around the league as this coaching carousel started following the end of the regular season that looked at the D.C. in Cincinnati in Lou Anarumo and thought, why isn't he getting more consideration for head coaching opportunities? He has been sensational here with the Bengals over the past two years. They have played in an AFC championship game known for his halftime adjustments and that second half defense. The Bengals allowing less than 10 points in the second half in this regular season. A top 10 scoring defensive unit tied for the fifth best scoring defense in the NFL, allowing just about 20 points per game because the defensive coordinator that also got eliminated on conference championship Sunday D'Amico Ryans was the front runner for many jobs around the National Football League and it seems he is the favorite to go to Houston this could happen very quickly now that San Francisco has been eliminated from playoff contention and a spot in Super Bowl 57 in fact some former Houston Texans, of which D'Amico Ryans is one as well, playing for the organization at the start of his NFL career, six years in H-Town. And in his final year with the Texans, it was the for one J.J. Watt. They played together, and now J.J. retired from the National Football League, maybe doing some advocacy for his former organization, trying to pitch D'Amico Ryans on joining the Houston Texans. There's the picture of J.J. Watt and D'Amico Ryans together. D'Amico spent six years with Houston, was the defensive rookie of the year in his rookie campaign in 2006, a two-time pro bowler with the Houston organization as well, and again, played alongside J.J. Watt. J.J. giving D'Amico a ton of credit for bringing him into the National Football League during J.J.'s rookie campaign back in 2011. Plenty more the morning after. Up next, following this commercial SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Just a few days away from the All-Star break in the National Hockey League. So much to get to here live on this Tuesday morning on the morning after on SportsGrid. I am Ben Stevens. Anna Dua joins the show once again live right here on this Tuesday on TMA from the NHL to break down a ton that has happened on the ice already so far this week and even off of it. Anna with a big trade yesterday ahead of the All-Star break in the NHL. Thank you so much for joining us here on this Tuesday morning. Yeah, thanks for having me. And the biggest trade so far of the hockey season happened yesterday. Bo Horvat being sent to the New York Islanders. And I mean, a lot of people knew that he was going to be traded. I don't know how many people thought he was going to go over to the Isles, but he's such a great player. Top 10 in the NHL in goals this season is 31 in 49 games. And he's just great on the power play too, which the Islanders have been struggling in all year. So he'll help them with that. 
was the Vancouver Canucks captain, is an all-star this year as well as we get ready for all-star weekend. So, Anna, what does Bo Horvat add for the New York Islanders? I mentioned that he helps their power play a lot because the Islanders actually have the second worst power play in the entire NHL right now. And Bo Horvat is top 10 in the league in power play goals. So maybe he can add some boost there. They're going to be shifting around their lineups quite a bit because they already have a lot of great centers on that team. So I'm excited to see what they come up with. And maybe they can he can give them the boost they need to get into the playoffs this year. The, the Isles looking for that boost as we get ready for the All-Star break. 55 points so far this year. The third worst in the Metropolitan Division at this moment and only one game last night in the national hockey league the st louis blues on the road in winnipeg against the jets the jets heavily favored to win and they do just that four to two over st louis on home ice last night now and it's interesting when you look at winnipeg they have the second best record in the western conference yet from the odds perspective the eighth best price currently to win the western conference crown do you believe the jets are being undervalued a few days away from the all-star break in the nhl I think a little bit for sure. I mean, this is a very talented team with so many talented players on its roster. They have a great offense. They have a great goaltender in Connor Hellebuck. They have a great defense this year, too. Josh Morrissey is somewhat still in the Norris conversation. He had a great game last night against St. Louis. So they're such a stacked team. I think they're absolutely undervalued. 32-19-1. One, only one overtime loss this year. 65 points in total. Just a point behind the Dallas Stars for the best record in the Western Conference. So, Anna, as we flip our attention now over to the Eastern Conference, the Kings on the road tonight in Carolina against the Hurricanes. The Canes on a five-game win streak. They beat the best team in the NHL, the Boston Bruins, 4-1 to over the weekend. How do you evaluate Carolina at this juncture of the NHL season? I mean, anyone who knows me knows how high I've been on the Canes since the preseason. So they're really making me look smart right now with the way they're playing because they were my favorites to win the Stanley Cup heading into this year. And I think so far they've shown that very clearly, especially that game against Boston. You can never count the Carolina Hurricanes out. And this is a team that there is so much value top to bottom. I mean, their offense is phenomenal. There are players on their offense that have shocked me this season. Martin Natchez leading the team in points right now. And he's a player that I don't think a lot of people saw him having the season he's having so far. And Sebastian playing well as always and then on their blue line Brent Burns is heating up he's a player that was going to be a huge ad for Carolina and their goaltender situation they have Frederick Anderson back they have Antti Ranta as their backup and they have Pyotr Kachekov who's a phenomenal third goalie option who's been sent to the AHL right now so this team has so much depth across the board they're going to be really really tough to beat Anna the Canes moving past the avalanche for the second best price in the Stanley Cup market at this moment. Now 7-1 for Carolina. The Boston Bruins still the best price in the favorites in that market at plus 500. That, of course, is the case for the Eastern Conference odds as well. You see the plus 350 number there on the Hurricanes. They're only 90 cents, though, behind the Bees. Anna, by the time we get to the playoffs, here we are nearing the All-Star break, but by the time we get to the Stanley Cup postseason, Who do you think is going to be the favorite to win the Eastern Conference title? I have to go with Carolina. I think Carolina is my favorite right now. I'm not going to lie. I think this team is just, they have the uh, the ability to win every single game that they play in. And even that game against Boston, it's just so evident how you can't count them out till the very last second. So the Canes are just going to be a gritty, gritty team, tough to beat. I like Boston, though. I mean, all credit. They've lost three games in a row and people are freaking out. But what a season that team has had. It's been amazing. 
The Hurricanes right now on a five-game win streak at home tonight, hosting the Kings, minus 205. That money line price, the odds would say Carolina is about to make it six straight. So here we are getting ready for All-Star Weekend in the National Hockey League. We're past the halfway point of the season, Anna, but All-Star games always give us a time to reset and evaluate the league overall. As we look at the individual races for the awards around the NHL, what are a few of the races you are keeping a close eye on? I mean, all of them, to be honest, but I think there's some that we know who's probably going to come away with it. The Hart Trophy, most likely, is Connor McDavid's trophy to lose at this yep. point. And the Rocket Richard, Connor McDavid, has really separated himself from the pack in those categories. But for me, the Vazna Linus Olmark, I think we need to talk about what a season he's having. Rightfully the favorite in that conversation because the Boston Bruins played really well and he's a big part of that. The Norris Trophy is the one I'm the most interested about because Eric Carlson is very, very deserving. Kale McCarr up there in the conversation. And a guy we talked about earlier on this show, John. Josh Morrissey also wrapping up that conversation a bit. So I think there are a lot of defensemen that have had breakout years this year. I'm excited to see who comes away with the Norris. You see a lot of minus money prices for the awards around the National Hockey League, including that Hart Trophy, Connor McDavid, a heavy odds-on favorite at minus 700. But as Anna said, for the best defenseman in the NHL, that Norris Trophy race right now, hotly contested. Eric Carlson, the favorite, plus 250. But Kale McCarr, only 50 cents behind. And Josh Morrissey, who Anna mentioned, in that top five, the fifth best price at plus 900. But as the odds indicate, Anna, as you echoed as well, it seems as though Connor McDavid has wrapped up the Hart Trophy race already, even prior to the All-Star break. Minus 700 right now. He leads the NHL in goal scored this year with 41. He has the second most assists and, of course, the most points registered so far this year in the NHL. And if you had to set a tier, how much farther ahead of everybody else in the NHL is Connor McDavid playing at this season? I mean, so much further ahead than everyone else, because when we think about it, there's so many players that we've been talking about who have been having great years. We talked about Tage Thompson. We talked about Jason Robertson. And all of these players are just having a phenomenal years, to say the least. But Connor McDavid, he's almost at 100 points, and we're like halfway through the season. He's only eight points away from 100, and the next closest is 76, which is his teammate Leon Dreisaitl. So he's just run away with the Hart Trophy at this point. When you have those two guys playing at the level they are, two of the three best prices in McDavid and Dreisaitl to win the heart before the year even got underway, the two leading point scorers in the NHL, and after the All-Star break, what does that mean for the long-term outlook for the Edmonton Oilers? I think Edmonton's biggest concern heading into this year was definitely their goaltender situation. I think they had a very solid playoff run last season, and I think the biggest issue was definitely what was going on in the crease. And now Stuart Skinner, the rookie goaltender, has proven himself in some of the starts he's had. Jack Campbell's kind of heating up as well, though. So I think if they address that, they're pretty much good to go because it's not even just Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, guys. Zach Hyman is having a ridiculous year right now. He's just barely out of the top 10 in points. He's sitting at 11 in the league Ryan Nugent Hopkins also rounding out that top 15 so you have four Edmonton guys who are in the top 15 right now in the NHL in points which is just insane the Oilers right there eight to one tied for the 10th best price right now to win Lord Stanley's Cup with the Minnesota Wild as you saw those Stanley Cup odds and only a minute left in this segment only a few days before the all-star break when we get to all-star weekend and you look back at the first half of this NHL campaign what do you think will be the biggest storyline we have seen so far this year? 
For me, it's the Buffalo Sabres right now as an entire team because that's a team that I know a lot of people didn't see making the playoffs this season heading into the year, but this team leads the NHL right now in goals per game. They have 3.76 averaging per game, and there's so many players on all ends of the ice that have impressed us so far. Tage Thompson, I talked about him. He was really contending for the heart a couple of months ago when he was on that hot streak, and Rasmus Dahlin also in the Norris conversation. So the Buffalo Sabres as a team, man, so much young talent too. They're all so young, so excited to see the future for that organization. Still an underdog right now for Buffalo to reach the postseason. Plus 210 to make the playoffs. Maybe some value entering All-Star Weekend. Anna Dua, enjoy your trip down to the Sunshine State for the NHL's All-Star Weekend. We appreciate your time here on the morning app. More of the show up next. Thank you. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Time to go around the country in college basketball. It is the final day of the month of January. Tomorrow starts February. It's the shortest month on the calendar year. What does that mean? March in College Hoops is on the horizon. Thank you for joining us here on this Tuesday, live on the morning after on Sports Grid. Very pleased right now to welcome on one of our favorites here on the show, Tyler Aki, joins us. And if we're talking college basketball, that means we talk it in the zone. Tyler Rocky of ESPN Chicago, one of the brightest college basketball minds all around the nation, joining us here on this Tuesday on the morning after. Tyler, as always, thank you for your time. We'll be transparent here, both of us Syracuse alums. Not a great day in the JMA Dome for another night in Syracuse last night for the Orange against the Cavaliers of Virginia. But Tyler, we'll get to that in just a moment. Thank you again for spending a few minutes with us here to talk some college hoops live on the morning after. Well, as if people did not hate Syracuse alums enough, this segment is titled The Zone. Well done, Ben. This is this is this is exactly what we needed. You're a very astute individual, Tyler Rocky. It is titled The Zone because we believe kind of in the 2-3 zone here on the morning after. Each and every Monday afternoon, Tyler Rocky, a new AP poll is released, but the first of this year with a unanimous number 1 team in the country, the Purdue Boilermakers for a sixth week this year, atop all of college basketball on the men's side, but the first time as a unanimous number one, all 62 first place votes for the Purdue Boilermakers. Now, Tyler, you know this well, living in the heart of Big Ten country, me being Big Ten Ben, the Big Ten Conference in men's college hoops has not won a national championship in 22 seasons, the better part of more than two decades Tyler Purdue has not made a final four since 1980 in more than four decades despite 30 appearances in the big dance since that last trip to the final four in the 1980 NCAA tournament so you see Purdue atop the country one of two big 10 teams in the AP top 25 this week Tyler Rocky is this the year the big 10 conference finally wins a national championship I would pick the field if uh, if I had to choose, but that is strictly because I don't know if I trust the Big Ten model in the NCAA tournament because 
the the way that Purdue is playing right now kind of follows the quote unquote Big Ten model that we have seen fail plenty of times over the course of the past couple of NCAA tournaments where everybody gets all giddy about the Big Ten and everyone says, oh, look how many teams they have this year. They've got 10 teams in. They've got nine teams in. They lead the way in terms of appearances among the conferences right now in NCAA tournament bids. But it's a big man laden team, albeit one of the best we've seen in recent memory in Zach Eady. But that stuff doesn't always work when we get to March, especially when the guard play becomes so paramount. And this is a team that's got a young heat check guard on its roster in Fletcher Lawyer right now. And I don't know. It feels kind of Kerr Creesa-ish right now to me with the way that Mm. he plays and the way that we see Kerr play over at Arizona. I just think that you're going to run into one team. And again, I think Purdue can make a, a deep run. They could get to the Elite Eight. They could get to the Sweet 16. But they could also lose in the round of 32 as well because maybe things aren't clicking one night. Maybe Zach Eady gets into foul trouble early against a team that's got a big that can go toe-to-toe with him a little bit defensively. So I'm going to have to side with the field here, Ben. Based on track record, Tyler Aki, you are exactly spot on. Now, the Boilers maybe seem better destined to make a run to the Final Four last year when Zach Eady was there, although he has taken huge strides, pun intended, this season, but alongside Trevion Williams and Jaden Ivey. But this Purdue team, a unanimous number one team in the country. To echo Tyler's point, each of the past two NCAA tournaments, the Big Ten Conference, has sent nine of their 14 teams to March Madness. And only three teams over the past two tournaments have made an appearance in the second weekend. In fact, just two schools, Michigan both years and Purdue last year before they were upset by the St. Peter's Peacocks in the round of 16. All right, Tyler Rocky, Syracuse, normally at least in the bubble conversation each and every March. Not so sure that's going to be the case for the Orange this year as they welcomed UVA to the JMA Dome last night had a four-point lead under five minutes left until Virginia rallies late to win 67-62 the Wahoos finishing as a five and a half point uh, road favorite so Syracuse does cover with Jalen Hurts in attendance but now Tyler as you look at the ACC overall Virginia is nine and two they have won seven straight games they have covered in four of their last five Is Virginia, led by Tony Bennett, the best team, in your estimation, in the ACC right now? I 100% believe they are, and I think the odds reflect that as well, even though they're not currently in first place in the ACC. They're a little bit behind Clemson right now, but I do think they're the best team. My whole thing with conferences like the ACC, the Pac-12, and the AAC this year is if you want to be a great team, don't make headlines. And that's exactly what Virginia has done. Don't make headlines. Listen, you're not going to go out there. You don't have to have flashy wins. You just have to take care of business. And that's really what I've seen this Cavaliers team do. During that seven-game win streak that you alluded to, Ben, they've won every game between five and ten points, which may not seem like a lot, especially in a down conference like the ACC, but you have to grade it on the Cavalier curve here because the pace at which they play, five to ten points, feels a lot more like eight to 15 points when you're grading it on that Virginia curve. So because of the pace of play, I think their stretch that they're on in terms of margin of victory is a little more dominant than I think the the actual numbers would point to. And also the, the three losses that they've had this year, 
have come by a combined 13 points. So they're in every single game. I think yeah. they're a really strong team. I think this is one of Tony Bennett's strongest team. It just feels like a group that has so much continuity right now, bringing back pretty much everybody that they had last year, and it's paying dividends right now. That is the Virginia brand of basketball. Never flashy, but always consistent. Minus 140 are the Cavaliers to win the ACC title outright, despite the fact that Clemson only has one ACC lost and sits in first place. I think the way that you summed up the ACC once again, Tyler, is spot on. It's been a down year for the conference for a second consecutive year where teams like North Carolina and Duke have made the headlines, but in a negative way for the most part. Oh, right. yeah. Speaking of the Tar Heels and the Blue Devils, they face off in the Tobacco Road rivalry this weekend as well. The Big 12 Conference, Tyler, the best league in all of college basketball. Evident last night, a top 15 tilt in Austin between Texas and Baylor. Texas trying to bounce back from the Big 12 SEC Challenge over the weekend where they lost to Tennessee by double digits. Baylor entered last night, Tyler Rocky, after losing their first three in Big 12 play on a six-game win streak but that comes to a close last night what was your reaction from the result in Austin between the Longhorns and Bears last evening I think this game pretty much went how I expected it to go you know let me fill you in on a little bit of a trend here Ben because we love trends in the gambling world don't we um big Monday home teams are 4-0 against the spread this year and it's a trend that I expect to continue you got to think about what goes into big Monday right Big, rowdy atmosphere. It's going to be a primetime level game. Not quite a standalone game, as John Rothstein says, but in terms of how many big conference games there are for the night, it's usually a pretty dry heap of games on Monday that you get in terms of really good competition. And then it's the short turnaround, too, for that road team. They're playing either at home or they're playing on the road somewhere on Saturday usually, and then they have to quickly turn around and go play on the road just a day or two later. And I think that is a huge, huge benefit to the home team. And we see that reflected in the against the spread numbers. I'll even throw it one further. If you include that Texas Tech-Iowa State game, which technically wasn't the quote-unquote big Monday game, but it follows the trend. And usually you see these lines suspiciously low as well. Yep. You see, like, if you put that Syracuse-Virginia game on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, you're probably expecting Syracuse to be a seven or eight point underdog. If you put mm -hmm. that Iowa State Texas Tech game on a Tuesday or Wednesday, that's probably a three or four point uh, favorite for the Cyclones in that game. Not the narrow one, one and a half that we saw a close at, or even a pick 'em in a lot of spots as well. This is a trend that yeah. I think a lot of people should start to hop on because these short turnarounds are really tough for these road teams. Great insight. Big games on Saturday, followed by 24 hours of rest, and then a big game on a Monday. Speaking of that Iowa State game last night, three teams entered last night in the Big 12 in a tie for first place. Kansas State, Iowa State, and Texas all at 6-2. and two. The Longhorns, as of right now, the favorites to win the conference and in solo possession of the top spot in the conference standings. Because Iowa State, if you were watching this show yesterday in the bye-bye-bye best bet, you know we took the Cyclones on the money line. They were up 23 points with 12 and a half minutes remaining against the winless Red Raiders in conference action. And they lost the basketball game outright. 
in overtime. I see you. I hear you. I feel you. Yes, it was difficult for all of us. Tyler, a huge Big 12 evening. The Sunflower Showdown, a rematch between K-State and Kansas, but this time in the fog. Only about 30 seconds left in this segment. What do you expect for the rematch between K-State and Kansas tonight with the Jayhawks, an eight-and-a-half-point favorite? I feel like this is going to be a high-scoring game. It feels like one of those ones where Kansas is going to hit every single three at home, and it's a great revenge spot for them. I know seven and a half is a lot, but I, I like Kansas. It's also one of the rare times where they're going to have a height and rebounding advantage as well. So give me the Jayhawks, even though it's a large number. It feels like that spot, although the Wildcats have covered in seven of their eight Big 12 games. Tyler Aki from ESPN Chicago. We appreciate your time as always. More the morning after up next here live on Sports SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Just 12 days away from Super Bowl Sunday, the game we've all been waiting for in Super Bowl 57 between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs. Thank you for joining us here live on this Tuesday, under two weeks away from Super Bowl Sunday, right here on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens. Very pleased to welcome back onto the show, as we have pretty much each and every Tuesday throughout this National Football League season, Shannon Somerville a sports betting host for Line Star, But Shannon, with only one football game left, I won't be here next Tuesday as I'll be flying to Phoenix for Super Bowl 57. You won't be with us next Tuesday either on the morning after. It is bittersweet because only one more football game this year and one last appearance for football season live on the morning after on this Tuesday. Shannon, let me start by saying thank you for everything this year, all of your incredible insight that you have brought to us. And let's end it with a bang, shall we? Yeah, let's end it with a bang. Super Bowl is finally here. The season has flown by, but I'm really excited about this game, and I've got a lot of great stats for you to get into. Ending it with a bang, as they say in Philadelphia, bang, bang, bird gang, and it was big for the Eagles on Sunday. 31-7, to a dominant victory over a very banged-up quarterback position and offense for San Francisco, but still, Philly has looked like the best team in the NFC all year long easily covering as a two and a half point home favorite a much more competitive game shannon somerville inside arrowhead for a second consecutive year in the afc championship game between the Bengals and the chiefs the chiefs went outright 23 to 20 all four matchups between casey and cincy in the last two seasons decided by exactly three points that field goal number so shannon what was your overall takeaway from conference championship sunday in the nfl now setting the stage for super bowl sunday man the biggest storyline in this game was patrick mahomes putting on the superman cape once again willing his team to victory on a sprained ankle however a lot of credit goes to the chiefs defense that was able to neutralize Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow. In fact, the Chiefs defense sacked him four times on his first nine dropbacks. Chiefs defensive coordinator Steve Spagnola wrote up the perfect game plan to be able to exploit that patchwork offensive line that the Bengals had. They were missing three of their offensive linemen starters in that game. So uh, Steve Spagnola and that defense really put on quite the performance. And that was a big difference maker in this game. 
It certainly was. It was the storyline we all followed entering the divisional round in Buffalo. But the Bills under Leslie Frazier don't really get after the quarterback. That is exactly what Steve Spagnuolo likes to draw up in his defensive schemes. And it paid off. Five sacks, four in the first half, and that crucial one late in the football game for Chris Jones on a third down, who was sensational in that AFC title game for KC's defense. So here we are, Shannon, the Andy Reid Bowl, the Kelsey Bowl, or simply put, Super Bowl 57 in Phoenix, Arizona, between the Eagles and the Chiefs. At the conclusion, Shannon, of that AFC championship game that Kansas City emerged victorious out of, it was KC as the opening favorite, laying a point and a half. Then quickly, it moves to Philadelphia. Got all the way up to two. It is now settled at a point and a half in favor of the Birds, minus 126 on that money line. Shannon Somerville, this is our last time together throughout this football season. We will not be together during Super Bowl week, so give us your early lean. Give us your prediction for Super Bowl 57 and the reason why. Ben, I think the market might be overvaluing the Eagles a little bit. We're talking about Patrick Mahomes, the likely MVP this season. He put up 326 passing yards and two passing touchdowns on a high ankle sprain. Now he has two weeks to rest. Also, that's two weeks for Andy Reid to game plan. We know he is one of the masterminds on offense that will be able to draw up a perfect game plan against this really good Eagles defense. Top to bottom, the Eagles have the talent. But when I look at this game, experience is the difference maker for me in this game. And that's the mm. biggest edge where Patrick Mahomes, this is his third trip to the Super Bowl. Andy Reid, this is trip number four as a head coach. So I've got to give the edge to the Chiefs in this one. One thing to note here is the health of the Chiefs wide receivers. They were down to one of their starting wide receivers in that game. You had uh, Mecole Hardman, Kadarius Toney, and Juju Smith-Schuster all leave the game with injuries. So that will be something to note. However, if you're leaning towards the Chiefs, I think now's the time to grab them. As injury news comes out and maybe they're healthier, that comes out, I could see that fluctuating a little bit. So if you're looking to grab the Chiefs, I think now's the time. Absolutely so. It will be fascinating, Shannon. Already, given the drastic line movement we have seen, where the line goes over these next 12 days or so until Super Bowl Sunday. If the Chiefs close as the favorite, it will be just the 12th time in the five seasons as a starting NFL quarterback for Patrick Mahomes booked as an underdog, but the Birds have been booked as a favorite in every Jalen Hurts starts this year. They have won 16 of 17. They are 10 and 7 against the number. And Shannon, as you saw there, these two teams pretty equal when you look at the metrics this year, offensively and defensively, of course, in their overall records, both the top overall seeds in their respective conferences, both 14 and 3 in the regular season. But Shannon, as we look at the Chiefs offense, as we have seen so far in these two playoff games versus a Philly defense that has been sensational in these postseason spots as well, who do you think has the edge between the Chiefs offense and that Bird's defense? This is one of the best matchups. I'm so excited for this one. I think the biggest X factor, if you're looking for one, it's going to be the Chiefs offensive line because they can absolutely counter that Eagles pass rush. In fact, they had a 75% pass block win rate that led the league. And that'll be crucial going up against an Eagles defense that led the league in sacks with 70, over 15 more than any other team. They racked up another eight in the playoffs and just made life miserable for the 49ers this past weekend. The Eagles defense has also had some issues against top tier pocket passers and they've only faced three quarterbacks 
that finished top 10 in EPA per dropback. I'll go through some of them right now. Week one, Jared Goff, he put up 35 points, and the Eagles almost lost that game in the opener. Week 16, Dak Prescott put up 40 points. Jalen Hurts was not in that game, but still Dak Prescott able to put up 40 points on that Eagles defense. And then week four, Trevor Lawrence had 21 points. But I don't put too much credence into that game because he fumbled four times, Trevor Lawrence did, and it was a rain game. So now you have this Eagles defense that's been great. However, now they're going up against Patrick Mahomes, who leads the NFL in EPA per dropback, passing yards, touchdown passes, total QBR. They're going to have quite the time trying to defend against Patrick Mahomes in this one, and it will be the biggest challenge they have faced all season long. Shannon, you mentioned the inexperience of Jalen Hurts in these playoff games. He has looked good, hasn't really had to use the arm all that much, but the ground attack for Philadelphia has been incredible so far this postseason, and Hurts has scored in both playoff games for Philadelphia. But it's only his fourth postseason start coming in just 12 days in Super Bowl 57. This is the third appearance in the last four years for Patrick Mahomes and Kansas City in a Super Bowl. How will you weigh that experience as we get closer to Super Bowl Sunday? Yeah, that experience is huge. And I think just Patrick Mahomes' evolution in general has been incredible to watch. I feel like the first few seasons, he was kind of like a Steph Curry a more reckless brand of football, but now we're seeing him enter a Michael Jordan era. It was almost like this high ankle sprain game was like his flu game. And he's also doing a lot better at playing boring football with his checkdowns and just playing really smart, sound football. His average depth of target has gone down this year, um, but he's still making those high degree of difficulty throws. And it's just been an incredible thing to watch. And he is likely your MVP, which is why I'm sort of leaning to the Chiefs in this one. When I evaluate Jalen Hurts, hey, he's had an incredible season. It's not like he just slapped his name on the group project and got an A. He's been awesome. In fact, his offensive or his quarterbacks coach, Brian Johnson, says he's a triple threat because he can run, he can pass, and he's also got a lot of intellect that he'll be able to use in this game. However, he didn't play great against the 49ers, just 4.7 yards per dropback, 37% success rate. That was near season lows for him. And he only completed one of five deep passes. That one was the throw to Devontae Smith, which should have been overturned. He didn't quite have control of that one. So there is some concern there. Is his shoulder an issue? Will he be healthy for this game? The Eagles still put up 31 points against the best defense without breaking a sweat, though. The key for Jalen Hurts in this game is to just lead that run game, keep the ball moving, keep the chains moving, and keep Patrick Mahomes off the field. 44 rushing attempts for the Eagles in both of their playoff games this year. It has been game script dependent. Jalen Hurts hasn't had to do much through the air. Patrick Mahomes is going to win the regular season MVP, but currently Jalen Hurts is the favorite to win Super Bowl 57's MVP because his team is favored to win the Lombardi Trophy. Shannon, where do you see the value in the Super Bowl MVP odds 12 days away from the big game? Well, the quarterbacks won 10 of the last 15, so... I don't think the value is there, though. I have a dark horse for you, okay? I know I've spent the last few minutes talking about the Chiefs. However, if you're going Eagles in this one, why not take out a bet on the 
linebacker Hassan Reddick. He's a game wrecker. He's basically like Justin Verlander and Mariano Rivera combined. He can absolutely take over a game as he did against the 49ers. He has 19 and a half sacks in 19 games in, against the 49ers, two sacks, a forced fumble, a fumble recovery. He played incredible. And it kind of reminded me a bit of the 2015 Super Bowl back when Von Miller won the Super Bowl MVP. That was the Denver Broncos against the Carolina Panthers, and they were able to shut down Cam Newton and that Panthers offense. He won the MVP in that game. He had two and a half sacks, forced two fumbles against the Panthers. And this could absolutely play out in kind of a similar fashion with the Eagles defense. If they do win, it could be through Hassan Reddick and the pressure uh, he gives to Patrick Mahomes in this game. Two sacks very early on in that opening quarter and the strip sack on the play that resulted in the injury to Brock Purdy's right throwing elbow. An absolute game record early and often in Philly for that NFC championship game. Shannon, the leading receiver in the NFC title game was Devontae Smith. Two grabs, 36 yards, 29 of them coming on the catch that maybe shouldn't have counted on Philly's <laughs> opening offensive possession. Jalen Hurts hasn't really had to throw the football all that much. His playoff high this year, 154 against the New York Giants, only a buck 21 passing last week against San Francisco. Shannon, as you look at the Eagles wide receivers and their skill position players, what do you think Philadelphia will need out of their passing game to ultimately claim a Lombardi trophy? Right. Jalen Hurts is going to have to pass the ball in this one. They're going to force him to throw down the field, which is something that he struggled to do against the 49ers. So Brown and Smith will both be critical in that. And these are two dynamic wide receivers, both top 10 in receiving yards this year. And Devontae Smith has really come on as if you need a first down, he's the guy that you throw to. And in fact, he has nearly identical numbers to Brown over the second half of the season. However, one of the biggest difference makers in this game could be their tight end, Dallas Goddard. And I actually like his over on his receiving yards. It's at 45 and a half receiving yards, which is what it was last week. He's averaging 56 receiving yards per game. He's a big target for Jalen Hurts. And uh, I think he will be a nice safety valve for Jalen Hurts in this game and could absolutely, uh, his yards after contact is ridiculous. He's a big, strong tight end that can absolutely just barrel through guys. Going up against a Kansas City pass defense, 19th in pass defense DVOA versus tight ends. They allow the fifth most targets to opposing tight ends. Hayden Hurst had 37 yards. Evan Ingram had 31. And Dallas Goddard is far superior in terms of talent to those guys. So watch out for him in this game. Quickly, Shannon Somerville, how will you coin Super Bowl 57? Is it the Andy Reid Bowl or the Kelsey Bowl? I love the Kelsey brothers, man. They're the best. <laughs> Kelsey right, Bowl. The Kelsey Bowl it is. Shannon, thank you for everything all season long. More of the morning after next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Closing out our two hours together here, live on the morning after on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, channel 159. That is the home for SportsGrid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the Spiz Grizz network, that is also SportsGrid. I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us here on this Tuesday. Now, as we ended out the show yesterday, we gave you a ton of college basketball best bets 
and leans. Our guy, Dave Connolly, the man behind the scenes known as McDonald's Dave, an absolute another hammer winner yesterday. Florida A&M, FAMU easily winning outright as a two-and-a-half point underdog. JY was here. That would be our coach, James Young. Maryland Eastern Shore in Samiak action. They cover on the road, winning by double digits. I felt really good about the best bet I gave you. Iowa State money line against a winless Texas Tech team back in Big 12 play, even in Lubbock. The Cyclones were up 23 points. With 12 and a half minutes remaining in regulation, they were going to cruise to a money line victory until they didn't, and they lost. And it was the largest comeback in the history of Texas Tech men's basketball. So I'm a little bit jaded going back to college basketball on this Tuesday morning. But that's where we end the show. Before we say farewell and before we say goodbye, it's time for another College Hoops best bet, but a player prop. It's time for bye-bye-bye. The Sunflower Showdown for the second time this season between Kansas State and Kansas. K-State won in overtime in a sensational opener this year, but that was at the Little Apple in Manhattan, Kansas, on their own home floor against their rivals in the Jayhawks. A one-point win in OT. You can see it reflected in the line for tonight. KU back at home inside one of the most storied venues in college basketball in Allen Fieldhouse. KU an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. Their leading scorer, Jalen Wilson, I expect him to go over his points prop tonight. Not out yet, but in his last four games, averaging 28.3 points per game in big 12 play eight games so far for KU averaging more than 22 points per game as well that does it for a Tuesday on the morning after we'll be back on a Wednesday at 9 a.m eastern time I'm Ben Stevens we'll talk tomorrow